Today is the 33rd Sunday of Ordinary Time, which means that next week we will celebrate Christ the King, and the week after we will begin Advent, at the beginning of the liturgical year, which makes this coming toward the end of the liturgical year. And every year at this time, we hear readings about the end of the world. And think about readings at the end of the world, at the end of the liturgical year. It's worth asking the question, what do Catholics think about the end of the world? And frankly, it's pretty boring because we never really know the date. You know, um, this happens to me sometimes, this happens to priest friends sometimes where um, some people, like for, I, I just, like I attract crazy people, right? And so some people will come up to me and be like, Father, I know when the end of the world is. It is on this day. It's like, great, okay. Uh, good luck with that. We'll, the office will still be open. Um, so, but for Catholics, we don't know when the end of the world is because, like Jesus says, not only the Son knows and the angels in heaven they don't know, only the Father knows. So we've got to have like a, like a boring approach to the end of the world, but still the other end of that approach is, well, it doesn't seem like we know when the end of the world is, but we also acknowledge that we are in the end times. That St. Paul, in the year like 60 AD, is writing about the end of the world, preparing for the Lord to come. That ever since the Holy Spirit has been poured forth on the apostles, we are in the end times. We never know when the world is going to end. And so how have some Catholics lived this? St. Benedict, who founded the Benedictine order and the Benedictine monasteries, he lived in around the year 500. And while he lived and he had his, his monks eat at dinner tables, what he would do to decorate his tables was not put like a vase with some flowers or anything. He wouldn't put like word art, like live, laugh, love. He didn't put any of that. Uh, he put a human skull on the table. And it was with that phrase, memento mori, which in Latin means remember death. Memento mori. And so how did these monks live who always had death in front of their eyes as they were eating their cereal in the morning? Well, first, there's this common tale that's told about like three kinds of monks, that they're all told that the Lord is going to come back at 3 p.m. this afternoon. And one monk says, well, I will be praying in the chapel uh, for the salvation of the whole world. Another monk says, I'll be in my cell mortifying myself with whips for the sins that I have committed. And the third monk says, I will be out in the field because that is where I should be at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And this is very much how the Benedictines lived, because the Benedictines lived at the time of the fall of the Roman Empire. And so they ended up, even though they remembered death at all times, they ended up being great preservers of Western culture. That they preserved so much what was lost in the Roman Empire, so much literature, for instance, and especially passing on the Bible, the greatest artifact of Western civilization, that... Um, they have, live in this sort of paradox where how can someone who seems to be so detached from life in the world also love the world so well? And it's because they love the world as it should be. They love the world freely as it was something that was passing. See, we see this very often in the lives of the saints. And it goes everything against what we're told within Western civilization today. For, like, 
which is crystallized in the words of Karl Marx, the founder of communism, that when Karl Marx is talking about uh, the people, he doesn't want the people in the, in the state to be so heavenly-minded, so focused on the things of God, that they are of no earthly good. They'd be so heavenly-minded, they are of no earthly good. But the reality is, is that those who live the faith, gener- the faith generously, and we see it most peculiarly in the saints, is that because they are so heavenly-minded, they are of supreme earthly good. It is evident, for instance, Pope St. John Paul II, supremely heavenly-minded, lingered hours before the Blessed Sacrament every day, and yet was able to be in touch with, like, was seen and made himself known by over a billion people on the planet. That you have someone like St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who ministered to all of Calcutta, but again, was supremely heavenly-minded. You have supreme earthly good. You have someone like St. Catherine Drexel, who, very wealthy, became a nun, and because she was so heavenly-minded, what she did was found all these different schools uh, and hospitals throughout the United States of America. Or you have someone like St. John Vianney, who spent his life just eating rotten, t- rotten potatoes and sitting in a confessional for 10 hours a day in the middle of nowhere, France, in this place called Ars. But after a while, a railroad had to be built to his church parish because of how heavenly-minded he was that everyone from the region and from out of the country wanted to come and have their confession heard by this man. Now, those who are supremely heavenly-minded are supreme earthly good because they love the things of the world freely because they don't die with the things of the world. They don't pass away with the things of the world. As Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not. Instead of clinging to heaven and earth, they cling to Jesus' word. This happens so often that we fall in love with a few pleasures of the world or a few, or um, just different relationships. And once that relationship perishes, or once that thing passes away and is no longer in existence, then part of ourselves die. That something within us perishes. But what the saints were able to do is because they were able to cling to the author of life, they were able to cling to the word of God, Jesus Christ, and not the heavens and the earth, they do not pass away. That even in this life, they possess eternal life. Why? Because they died to the things of this world. And so they, the things of this world no longer own them. And so what are some just practical ways in which we can memento mori in that way? That we can remember death, that we can die to the things of the world, so that even now we can have the seed of eternal life dwell within us, that seed of grace. Think first, just within our day, to deny ourselves early. This is something that the author of The Imitation of Christ says. And to back up, I guess, how do we diagnose if we, if we are in need of this mortification? To, to remember death. Cardinal Newman talks about, in one of his homilies, um, this idea of religious weariness that today modern man grows weary of religion very quickly. And this is an important thing to think about because whenever Jesus talks about the end of the world, the one virtue that he seems to put above all others outside of vigilance is perseverance, to persevere and endure until the Son of Man comes. 
But so often we cannot even persevere in living just a daily prayer life. And so what is this weariness of religion? It comes from this lack of hope, this idea that salvation seems far off, that God is far, and also our attraction to the things of the world that wear down on us and make us sluggish. They make us sluggish to want to um, come to Mass. They make us sluggish to want to persevere in prayer. They make us sluggish in wanting to serve our neighbor. But some of the ways in which to remedy that is just simply, very concretely, whenever you start your day in the morning, start with self-denial. Something as simple as not hitting the snooze button. Something as simple as whenever you check your alarm, um, don't scroll on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Don't stay there and just let the things of the world start to attach themselves to us or our, us attach ourselves to them so that it makes it hard to deny ourselves and that we can remember death, that we can remember that it's the Lord in whom we should place our hope and nothing else. That we start our day, we know we should pray every day, but particularly praying in the morning. When the Lord is fresh in our hearts, whenever contemplation is easy, meditation goes well. And also, making an act of sacrifice for the day. Having uh, some idea of what my sins were from the previous day, and what are the ways I will practice virtue for this day. In these simple ways, we can remember the death. And so we ask that as we celebrate, as we remember death, At every Mass, remember the death of the Lord who gives his body and blood. We can also participate in his resurrection.